0: afternoon. Welcome. May I ask a favor? How about we close just the door to my right and your left? Just we could leave one of them open to welcome people. But perhaps someone could gently ask the two people talking outside to step down the hall a little bit. Okay. That's great. Welcome. All right. Um, my name's Crystal, and I am a food addict, bulimic, compulsive overeater. Hi, Crystal. Um, I'm your moderator for this workshop. Let's take a deep breath for a moment. Oh, would you please join me in the serenity prayer? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can. And the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Before we begin, could I please just ask, even if you're sure, especially since we had lunchtime, could you please check cell phones and electronic devices to make sure that they're turned off? And I am going to do the same. Um, (laughs) It's off now, (laughs) yes? Even if you think it's off, the instructions say, please check it again. The opinions expressed here today are those of the individual members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. OA members are reminded when sharing to speak to your recovery in the program of Overeaters Anonymous only. To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. If there is press in the room, please do not take any unauthorized pictures or identify anyone using their full name. There will be audio recordings of this workshop, which you may purchase outside in the foyer, just over by the registration tables. This workshop will have speakers, followed by Ask It Basket questions. And so during the workshop, please keep the basket moving. Actually, I did not see our Ask It Basket. Is it right there? Oh, good. Okay. Thank you. Um, and if you're, even though it's been by you once, let's uh, because people just keep coming in. Let's continually have the ask it basket flowing. And when our third speaker is finished, I'll find wherever it is, and and we'll use it for questions. Okay. This workshop will have speak. Oh, excuse me. The topic for this session is steps four, five, six, and seven, an uphill trek, and the principles are courage and integrity. We will begin with a selection from for today, on page 86. It takes courage to do a fourth step inventory, to look at and admit my worst faults, to confide in another human being, to make amends. I stall for time putting aside what I'm afraid to do, trying to muster my courage. But in the end, I do it. I dare to push past the fear because I want what the AA founders promise and because I believe them when they say that half measures availed us nothing. So let's welcome our first speaker, Andrea, today. Andrea?
1: Hello, um, I'm Andrea, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, um, I had been in the program, I think, for the first time. What? Okay. Uh, hi there. I'm fine. Oh, okay, you have to reposition. Sorry about that. They said I'm fine. Anyway, I'm short. I'm short, and that's something that has not changed, and I'm shrinking, and that's something I don't like. Uh, besides, I never wanted to do four, five, six, and seven. But anyway, I had to because um, I had been in the program first time about 43 years ago, and what happened was uh, I came, and I, these poor people, there were four or five people, and they were eating and I, their lives had real problems. I, I, Of course, I didn't understand, you know, why I was fat. Uh, I didn't have any problems, none at all. Anyway, uh, what happened was I just left. It's like things weren't that bad yet. So, you know, I left. And then I came in a second time, and I lost about 30 pounds with a bizarre thing. You, you People may have called it, I called it abstinence, but it was a diet, and it was bizarre, a diet pill. It was bizarre. But I lost weight, and, you know... Didn't accept phone calls on the weekends. It was a bizarre situation. Left. And then my eating got worse than it ever did, and I hit my sec- my top weight a second time of 213, but this time I wasn't pregnant. And I was totally demoralized. I was just miserable, self-hate, undone- unbelievable. I had fought it my whole life, never thinking it was the food. Anyway, what happened was uh, people had stayed, and it was very appealing when I this person called me, and it was Tuesday of Easter week, and I went to this meeting, and this person had lost weight and had changed their personality, which I thought they should change their personality, very opinionated. Anyway, um, and their weight loss looked very appealing, because I had gained like 40, 30 pounds. So what happened was, and then we went to a meeting, and the speaker was so tiny and so skinny and she happened to be on the same food plan and this person really believed in the addiction and so that started me on the i gave up certain foods so i could become skinny and thin and but i thought i was emotionally involved in them and those aren't words i used very often i'm not <clears throat> i just wasn't into looking at myself or anything like that i was a christian and i thought i was a wonderful person i didn't know why these things were happening to me and why people were treating me mean i was a victim and it was always their fault, never mind. So this was, this fourth, fifth, these steps are like foreign to me. So what happened was, um, I started, that night I started an abstinence of no carbohydrates, starches or sugars. That means you eat protein, vegetables and fruit. And that has to be disciplined. Which was a word I never used either. Because I was a spontaneous, I was an eater. I was a big eater and I loved food. And I ate sugar. And giving up sugar was no biggie because I'm 72 years old. And years ago, you just gave up sugar. Well, anyway, bottom line is I started my abstinence. And that started me having to change. There used to be signs because we used to meet at AA meetings. This was 40 years ago. And there were these big signs, change or die. I loved it. I used to sit there not thinking I had to change. I kept thinking all these people were going to change. And the best thing I was going to be thin, change or die. And I knew I had a soul sickness. I knew inside I was dead. I was, the food had taken everything. I was dead inside. I couldn't pretend anymore. I was a smiler. You step on my toe, oh that's all right. You know, people pleaser. So anyway, what happened was I had to start talking every day to somebody, planning the food, took a lot of effort, it was a terrible withdrawal. And what also happened is I had to start doing a ten step. Um, can somebody give me a five minute warning? You have,
0: you have a timer
1: right here. Oh good. Yeah. Oh great. Okay. Oh I'm my ten minutes already. oh jeez. Okay. Oh Okay, uh anyway, what happened is um what happened is I had to start getting honest I had to get honest about my food first, and that is one of the worst inventories there is is having to do your food inventory, so I had to do that so then when we could, and there were two step meetings a week, and we went to them and and years ago, there weren't that many meetings, so you you were working and you listened to people talk, so these steps were becoming becoming part of my life, and I was fearful of four, five, and six. And I was fearful of all of them. And my sponsor, it took me five years to be able to really start writing. Because the first time I tried to write, I was so emotional. I didn't even know I was an emotional person. I have ten minutes left? Oh, my God. Okay. I didn't even know I was an emotional person. I I couldn't read my writing. And... I didn't even know what I was going to write. I mean, it was I don't know what I was so afraid of, but I was so afraid. This person gave me the best advice. She said, the thing that makes step four easier, you'll be able to do it, is you have to be solid in one, two, and three. You have to have a higher power that the problem in front of me is no match for the power behind me. That's the secret. I could look at stuff and start writing and start licking. And I had also been doing tents because there's no way I could stay abstinent. I was very lucky. I was enmeshed in my family. There was a family business, my friends. I was born and raised in the same area. So I'm dealing with all these people that know that I have character defects and I think I'm a victim and I wanted to blame them. I I didn't know it. The steps, listening to these steps in this program and doing inventories taught me how immature I was when I'd start relating stories. I did a lot of talking on the phone, not very much writing. I'm not big on writing. I know it's... But eventually I had to. I had to write. I was immature. I had a great fantasy world. I'd rather be in a fantasy world, reality. I've never liked it. I was emotional, and I'd go numb. When things would happen, I would go numb. People would say... What's your character defect? What did you feel? I'd say, I'm numb. I'm numb. They hurt me. It was an excuse. I didn't want to dig. And I was told I had to dig. I had to find out my motives of why I was doing these things. So um, I'll never forget the day that I went over my mother's, and I called my sponsor about what my mother had done. Oh, I was a big storyteller. Didn't want to listen to what you had to say, but I wanted to tell you what had happened to me. And she said, well, wait a minute, you got. You were mad at her. Why did you go over there? And I said, oh, I don't know. And she goes, why did you go over there, Andrea? I go Blair, looking for something, and then I feel dissatisfied, and I retaliate. I didn't see the pattern of my character defects. I had to have people, and then, thank God, it's written down, there's these seven deadly sins. I had heard... Um, I'm going to go on to how I got to six and seven. I had heard this tape by an AA person that had been in AA for a long time, and he wrote his character defects, and I came up with 24 of them, and I had this terrible job or I had a lunch hour I had to kill after you eat, dinner, after you eat the lunch in 15 minutes, and it was time to spend the other 45. So I started doing a dictionary, writing all these things down, and they, most of them ended up close or friends of the seven deadly sins. And what happened was, <clears throat> every time I get a feeling, this person said, I'm supposed to look at what was it, what it was, like what caused it, what, how did I all of a sudden have this feeling? And that was wonderful. One of my best inventories was one for my brother, because he used to come in and out of my life, because he... Um, he would go off for a few years. He had problems. And then, then he'd come into the family circle. And my jealousy of sibling rivalry, oh, all those feelings were so intense. And it definitely brought out the worst part of my personality while I'm smiling, being nasty. Anyway, um, what happened was I had a deadline. Somebody I was going to be seeing about six weeks, she said, why don't you write just about your relationship with your brother? And I went to write, and I couldn't think of anything this is somebody i had such intense feelings i had to make phone calls and then all of a sudden somebody i'd start talking to somebody about something and then i'd start writing the flow the flow and i had to i had 6 weeks so i had to can i had to keep it condensed that was another thing i had people give me their fifth steps before i did my fourth and i saw how it's nice to or some of them said they wish they had started reading it sooner because then it helped them write better the next time after they had shared something. They found more out, out about themselves. Talking to another human being, something just happens. That they, or they'll point out something. You'll go, oh, my gosh, I never saw that. And I always thought I was very intelligent. Well, anyway, this thing with my brother. All of a sudden, I had best, wrote the best inventory I ever wrote, the best by far. And then my brother came into the picture again. And I don't know what happened to my spirituality, but it went right out the window. I was nowhere near. I had all this intelligence now about our relationship and how it interplayed with the family. All this insight that I was... Five minutes. All this insight that was so... I thought, this is fabulous, but how come I still can't stand him? I want to beat him. I want to take an ice pick right to his heart. I was so (laughs) jealous and so intense. And this was someone who I thought I was going to be a saint and Christian of the year, which, which that was another big thing. Seeing myself for what I really was was very, very depressing. It was really depressing because, and I spent a lot of self-pity and depression on that. It was a waste of energy. So this is who I was sometimes. Just go with it. I'm human. I wanted to be a saint. So anyway, bottom line is, I called my sponsor up and I said, I'm in no mood to make any amend to this guy. Let me tell you what he's done to me recently or how my mother favors him. Oh, I was so, so horrible, uh, immature. And she said, "Um, you got to start praying. And see, six and seven to me is all about praying. I have the label. I'm jealous. I'm envious. I'm greedy. I'm a glutton. I'm prideful, ego, procrastination, sloth. Oh, my God. I have to pray to God. I do not have the power to take that. I do not have the power to say, turn off the TV, get up and clean the bathroom. Turn. Answer the phone. Get off the phone. Do your business project. I don't have that energy. I have to have God do it. And she helped me realize that I had to start praying. And it was interesting. That prayer really does something. All of a sudden, I was given the opportunity. My heart felt it. I had, I had aligned myself to God's will and my brother's existence and my, per, my part in the family. And I made an amend, and I meant it. To me, that's a miracle, And they talk about freedom. It's a power greater than myself that helps me not to eat, that gives me the power not to eat, that does everything and also the character defects. Uh, I was just telling, and you know what? This, This step, three minutes, this step, these steps, I love this part, changes my attitude and moves me toward God. And you know what's so great? You don't even have to use the word God. I loved it. We used to say the Lord's Prayer after meetings, and I stood next to somebody, and she goes, Henrietta. And I go, oh, I love it. I love it. I love the freedom it gives us, that there's no wrong or right. You know, God is. It doesn't matter. Just to not to know that it's something that's not me. I want to add, too, that I was telling someone that um, I used to go to step meetings all the time. And in the last couple of years, I've been babysitting on the step the night of the step meeting <clears throat> so a family member could go to their 12-step program. And after reading this book, which I hadn't read in a while, after reading the 12, the 12 by 12, I realized I really miss a step meeting. This kind of stuff, going to a step meeting and having somebody read it and then having people share, it just keeps me... My inventory, it just keeps me in line to the way I'm supposed to be, to the way God wants me to be. And I love it, change or die. I love it that I hated that I had to change, but I love now that I that God's given me the power because I play cards with um, a bunch of women. I've been playing cards for four or five years, and now there's like, let's say there's 20 women. Well, after five years, now all of a sudden I'm catching myself, they're irritating me. And I wanted to, uh, at times, especially if I'm losing, I want to read this prayer. <laughs> when I win, everybody's nice. Anyway, um, ugh, so shallow. Anyway, this prayer I read when I first came in, and I, am just, I was reading it, and I've been trying to start read it because I could feel myself changing my attitude, tolerance. The most lovable quality any human being can possess is tolerance. It is the vision that enables one to see things from another point of view. It is the generosity that concedes to others the right to their own opinions and their own peculiarities. I love words like that. Peculiarities. Shortcomings. I love those kind of words. Before I never even said them. It is is the bigness that enables us to let people be happy in their own way instead of our way. Now I have three grandchildren, and this prayer I'm going to be saying a lot because they're getting older. You know, when they're little, it's so much fun. Now they're becoming teenagers, and it's not as much fun sometimes. So anyway, is that it? Okay, thank you.
0: very much. And um, could you please, is the ask it basket still circulating around? Even as I said earlier, even if you've already seen it, let it continue moving in case someone is inspired with a question so that we can have them answered for you after speakers. Our second, speak, second speaker today is Jeannie.
2: Hi, everyone. My name is Ginny. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Ginny. And I came up here with a bunch of books and notes. And um, and I'm definitely going to be talking about character defects, but one of my biggest character defects that I'm more recently aware of is perfectionism. Um, That i got to say and do just the right thing, and somehow I'm supposed to know what that is. Um, And one of the things that I found through working Steps 6 and 7 is um, kind of the opposite of perfectionism isn't imperfectionism. It's like, what's realistic? You know, what what can I realistically do? So I'm about to give you a very imperfect share on Steps 4 through 7. Um, I've been in the program since 1980. um, I'm maintaining... A 50 pound weight loss and about a 20 pound weight gain. Um, my top weight was 180 and my low weight was 113 because I was anorexic and bulimic along the way. Um, and I am definitely one of those sometimes slowly people. Um, I have, well, I have a 20 plus, plus years of, of current abstinence, but when I say sometimes slowly, um, Working the steps for me has been an extremely slow process. Um, I just, um, well, it's been about a year now, but I just got through um, a fourth step about a year ago and a fifth step, and I'm currently working on six, seven, and preparing for eight and nine. Um, I did the steps kind of haphazardly when I first came into the program. I mean, I, I think in order to get abstinent, I know that I really had to take that step one very, very seriously in those first three steps. And then I was kind of scattershot about the steps. And and about five years ago, um, while I was abstinent, um, so many things just started um, crashing around in my life, from a job that I had that I was completely devoted to and kind of obsessed with, um, to my brother who got in a an accident that disabled him permanently, um, to a husband who had a brain tumor, and um, I just kind of hit bottom again um, emotionally, and that's when I started coming back to OA again in, in a kind of a new way, and um, so. What I did, and I've always been a believer in the AA big book, um, but that's how I work the steps now. I, I really I work them through the AA big book. And in my fourth step, I did the five column approach right out of the big book. I had kind of done it before, but I never done it in the way that I did it this last time, which I found to be extremely, extremely effective and much more straightforward than any other way that I had done it. So you, we know that format, but I'm going to focus on column four. Um, but it goes, I'm a resentful at the cause, affects my, and then that fourth column is my part. And um, according to the AA Big Book, what they're talking about for my part, it's really simple. It's They, they don't spell it out as clearly as I would like, but it's basically... Um, where was I selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, or afraid? And selfish meaning what I didn't want to give up, self-seeking being what I wanted from others. Dishonesty, you know, that could be a lie, you know, what I did, something I did, or something I didn't do. Um, I found that was a big theme for me. You know, I wasn't really authentic, or I, you know, I didn't give uh, the truth or, or... or the the information I withheld it, and then where was I afraid and fear? I mean that's just shot through everything. So these uh, four things are what I focused on in my inventory at the end, and that's what really made me finally see what the value was of this fourth step as I did my fifth step with my my sponsor, and she helped me with that last column. I you know really see what my part was in every situation. And then after that, um, we went on um, pretty quickly to step six and seven, and six is, as I'm just going to read it, um, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character, and seven being humbly asked him to remove these shortcomings, or humbly asked my higher power to remove these shortcomings. Well, six, um, becoming entirely ready, I think that that's been Um, I mean, it's a lifelong process. That's what it says in the big book, and that's what it says in the AA 12 and 12. It's a lifelong process. It's not like the food, and, and we know that the food is also not like alcohol. It's not like we can just put food down like you can put alcohol down. But food, at least for me, I was able to get pretty specific about it or at the very least, I got really clear about what was triggering to me and what worked versus what didn't work. So with these character defects, I'm really getting clear now about what works and what doesn't work. And part of that for me, and it isn't in these books, but it's something that um, I've heard from, from others in the program. I, I took that list of character defects and I'm still working on it right now. Um, and I wrote down like, what what is it exactly what is that character defect like I talked to you about perfectionism like what's the definition of perfectionism for me and how does it show up in my life on a daily basis um and then what do I get out of it and like one of the things I get out of my perfectionism is it it lets me procrastinate because if I'm afraid that I'm not going to do it right then I don't ever have to do it um, so I definitely get, you know, a lot out of perfectionism when I let it kind of rule my life. And then this other part of, like, what's the value or what am I working towards, you know, that's, um, that's functional instead of dysfunctional? And for me, like I said in the beginning of this share, and I'm just going to keep using perfectionism as that example, is... I can ask myself, what's realistic? What can I do that's realistic? What's sane? What's possible? And, you know, my higher power is definitely involved in me being sane enough to ask those questions. And I still don't do it all the time, but I I find little by little, just like how I started getting clean with the food, I'm starting to get more aware and I'm starting to get cleaner and cleaner around my character defects when they show up. Like, what are they? Um... You know, sometimes they just have to run rampant. But I'm aware. Oh yeah, they're they're on the list of 17 and 17 and growing. Um, and when I do have that clarity of mind, when I can ask for help, I try and say in the moment, what you know, what could I do here that would be a saner choice? Just like what could I eat that would be better than than that and, and and little by little that's how I get the clarity in the space in my life the same way I got the clarity in the space in my life from letting go of the food that's what's happening with my defects of character um, and it's really pretty cool because um, I never really related especially to 6 and 7 before and now I'm, I'm really starting to relate to them um, can I get a time check please yeah. Oh my gosh, well, I'm not even sure that I have seven more minutes to talk about these. Um, Well, I will read a couple of notes that I made. uh, And again, I'm going to focus on on six and seven here. So in the big book, it says, it's our way of starting or stating, excuse me, the best possible attitude one can take in order to make a beginning on this lifetime job. And I did touch on that. Um, previously, that I got to get clear that this isn't something that I'm going to like get down and then not have to deal with, you know, impatience or judgmentalness or greed or pride or envy and all, you know, on and on. But it's the best possible attitude, just like I was talking about before like what works, what doesn't work, what's functional versus dysfunctional. And, um, and that very much. I need to bring my higher power into the equation. I gotta humbly ask him to remove my shortcomings. And, and again, for me, that's also focusing on what am I gonna put in its place? Um, and then to realize that this is, it's a character building and, uh, it's character building and spiritual values. And it says in the, in the 12 and 12, character building and spiritual values had to come first versus material satisfactions Material satisfactions are not the purpose of living. And I think that's one of the things that I really got hung up on when I first came into the program is that, oh yeah, I'm going to lose my uh, my weight and um, everything's going to turn out great. I'm going to get, at that time I was single, I'm going to find the person that I want to marry I'm going to get a great job and this is going to happen and that's going to happen. And I really think that I went down that path pretty far. Um, but I was not serene and I'm not, you know, I'm not pretending that, you know, I'm that serene now, but I, I do have a different level of awareness and different level of serenity, but I kind of forgot, you know, this is about character building and it's about spiritual values. Um, strangely enough, it's not even about food, um, or any of the other addictions that, you know, have kind of Come up since I came into the program. It's it's just um, it's very simple, and these steps are a way for me to build, you know, my 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 spiritual muscle and to, to build my character. Um, so I can, you know, I can be I can be a different person. I can be the kind of person that doesn't really want or need excess food, or doesn't need to indulge you know, in these character defects, which harm me and they harm other people, too. So I'm getting clearer and clearer that I don't want them in my life um, just in the same way that I didn't want my binge foods in my life anymore because they were hurting me more than they were helping me. Um, All right, well, I know I'm a little short on time, but really, I think that's a good stopping point, and I'm really grateful um, to be here and be asked to speak, and if you're new, keep coming back. If you've been here a while, keep coming back. I, I hope I'm here till my last breath because um, it's really saved my life and I'm, I'm forever grateful. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Jeannie, very much. Is the asket basket wonderful? It's still going around. When it gets up here front, I'm going to grab whatever's written so far as it goes around. And our last speaker for today is Maury. Let's go.
3: Hi, everybody. My name is Maury. I am a recovering compulsive overeater, and a very grateful recovering compulsive overeater. It's good to be here today. Good to be here today. First of all, start out with a little story. Uh, this is uh, a way to give service today. And a week ago, my wife and I did uh, another. We uh, staffed an O.A. table at the uh, county fair over in <laughs> San Mateo, <laughs> and uh, during our time there, we had uh, there were two people came up to the table. One was a friend I knew from another program who just came by to say hi, and another one came by looking for a blank piece of paper. (laughs) But it was interesting because you realized, uh, we realized afterwards talking about this, we're going to a county fair where, and you look at the people walking by with uh, piles and plates and uh, uh, foods that basically are poison to me, uh, but obviously they're still enjoying them. And, and uh, uh, so I said later, says, well, it's kind of like having an AA booth at Oktoberfest. <laughs> 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 Have a much more receptive audience here today. <laughs> And I pray before he started talking that I can say something that will uh, be useful to someone because otherwise it's all about me. How can I impress you? How can I look good? Uh, What's going to make me me look good? Because I'm still that uh, egomaniac with the inferiority complex and down underneath feel insufficient and not adequate and all that. And that's why I have to work the 12-step program. Uh, little to qualify myself I uh, backed into this program in 1979 because I'd already lost hundred pounds uh, and I came in at the invitation of another friend and one of my defects is character as uh, people pleasing uh, but sometimes that's a good thing because it's a person I wanted to please and she was going to OA and she asked me if I wanted to be along and I did coming along and very rapidly was the expert because uh, I was uh, helping other people go through the big book. Of course, I didn't need it. All I needed to do was memorize it. I didn't need to apply it. Uh, (laughs) And my memory was pretty good at that point. Uh, And so I could tell you what was wrong with you. I had no ability to look at my own self and to see. Um, But somehow, I I came back, again, to people please. Uh, I lost the ability to diet. I started getting weight in Overeaters Anonymous. That's not a good thing. but a few months later, I, uh, I got struck abstinent. I literally got struck abstinent and uh, uh, became a very, it was a very compulsive, because I'm a compulsive person, compulsive abstinence. But it was a good abstinence, it was a very clean abstinence. Uh, and uh, you know it 's funny the the day I became willing, and I now say it became willing because I now see it as a gift at, at that time i wasn 't so sure it was a gift, uh, but I became willing to do what I had not been willing to do before uh, I became willing to actually call the sponsor. I'd gotten a sponsor before, but I never called. Uh, I became willing to start an inventory. That was my first inventory, some six months or so after I came into Overage Anonymous. It was not fearless and thorough. It was verbose and laborious, uh, but you know, I'm into cover-up. Uh, you know, I, my favorite uh, program when growing up, I had the radio, we didn't have TV, it was that's pretend. Uh, So, pretend it looks good on the outside, pretend it to be perfect. Heaven forbid that either I or you would see that down on the inside, more I didn't feel good about myself. Now, I still have a problem knowing how I feel. Uh, It takes me about three or four meetings or two or three weeks to identify how I'm feeling if it sticks around that long. Um, But I'm better at it today. At any rate, I did a long, verbose, uh, uh, fearful, uh, and verbose inventory but it was a start and I gave it away and I gave it away to somebody who just listened I think that's the most valuable thing we can do as a human being is to listen to another human being and try to actually listen and hear what they say and that's what uh, my sponsor did for me just listened. And at the end said, is that all? Well, it really wasn't all, but it was all I was willing to do at that point. Um, and uh, since then, I've done several more inventories. My last one was uh, <clears throat> the how I have put 176 questions or whatever. I hadn't done that in the uh, almost 40 years in uh, in the program, but in order to do that, I had to just go away for two days and sit and write because I was kept I was putting it off procrastination another one of these character defects, and I and I sat down and did it over a period of two days in a hotel room or in the uh, Washington coast, and it was very beneficial. Uh, each time I've done a four step, I've taken off some more layers. Thank you, uh, taken off some more layers. Uh, and finding that I can actually be a human being in the world of other human beings, so that I'm I'm no longer alone. Because I was alone, I was a isolated in a crowd of people. I was alone, um, and uh, I I do believe. I also heard in the program. I imagine all of you have heard it too, that if you're struggling with one step, if you're struggling with the first step, or the fourth step, go back to the one before. Have you really done a uh, third step? Invariably, I get back to one. I'm trying to do it myself. I'm not admitting I'm powerless. I'm not admitting my life is unmanageable. So I've got to start there. Uh, And if I then work up through the steps, then I can get down to an inventory. What's really going on with Maury? what's really true for Maury, and, and the uh, I'm a big book guy, and I'm an AA, a 12 and 12 guy, because that was the literature we had when we came in. That was what we used. We didn't have any of our OA literature except some of the pamphlets. Uh, and I love that, where it says at the end of the third step that... Uh, uh, now we launch on a vigorous course of action. I'm not quoting it exactly. Fact-facing uh, fact, uh, and fact-finding fact and fact-facing. We've got to look at what's really going on with us. Uh, and, uh, and it explains, as this previous speaker said, uh, how to do that. Uh, of course, I didn't have any resentments when it came in. Uh, I had several hurts but I didn't have any resentments. It turns out that they're all the same thing, Uh, rage and resentment and uh, and hurts, and uh, etc. But my sponsor gave me, I think, for that, uh, uh, some very simple things to look at if you really want to look down on what's... and we mentioned uh, uh, selfishness, dishonesty, resentment and fear. Uh, it was a little more specific than that the first was all these forms of selfishness self-pity self-seeking etc the second was fearfulness and in parenthesis was fear of detection i don't know whether that was from him or whether it was just for me because as i say i always wanted to pretend to be something on the outside and pretend to be somebody i wasn't so fear of detection that you were going to find out well, who I thought I really was but I never wanted to look deep enough really because I was afraid I would find out that was true but when we actually do the inventory and give it to another human being and they say, that's okay and then give you some of their own experiences God, what a weight off of her shoulders what, what do I have left? Seven minutes. Oh, okay, great um, anyhow, uh, I, um, I found that when I tell another human being and I tell uh, whatever I consider my God to be at the moment, it changes all the time. Uh, uh, he already knows he doesn't really need to be cold, but it, when I talk to, some, uh, to my higher power who loves and totally accepts me, it makes me more willing to tell myself what's going on, and it makes me more willing to tell another human being what's going on. Uh, so, so I tell another person, God and myself, the exact nature of my wrongs, and they and find out that they say and that's okay, and that's okay. Wow, what a what a relief after all those years of cover up, after of all those years of shame to feel like I can say that, and to have some sort of a, a spiritual awakening. Uh, so, so I guess you could somehow. That's a triple A program: awareness, exception, and action. The action we're talking about here today is doing the fourth step and the fifth step. Uh, The sixth and seventh aren't really action steps. Uh, They're more uh, reflecting and and asking uh, because step six uh, was entirely ready to have these defects removed or to have God remove these defects. Again, I always thought I was supposed to do it. I was brought up in a culture where if you make up your mind, you can do anything. Well, I certainly couldn't, (laughs) couldn't stay away from sugar and several other things on my own. Uh, and I found out that there's a lot of other things that I can't do by myself. I have to have your help, uh, the God of my understanding's help. Uh, but, and uh, and with that, I can do a lot of things. I can't do everything, but I can do a lot more than I can do alone. Uh, but on to the, uh, uh, the... I heard very recently, and I'm still learning, although I've been in the program 37 years and have been absent, uh, This current absent dates back... Uh, uh, some 19 years uh, and that abstinence came when I got the gift of desperation I was either going to do this or I was going to die and I didn't want to die I got the gift of desperation and I have tried to keep that gift of desperation I don't have this thing nailed I get one day at a time a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of my spiritual condition oh my spiritual condition fine I don't need anything that's a lie I've got to maintain it, I've got to work at it, I've got to continue to look look at these defects and to continue to improve it. But it came entirely ready. I heard, as I started to say, got diverted a couple weeks ago that wanting something is a great deal different than being willing to have something. Wanting my defects removed is entirely different than the willingness to have them removed. Wanting is much more of that me, 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 I want, I want, I want, please give me, give me, give me, willing is I'm willing to do the work. I'm willing to get help. I'm willing to pray. I'm willing to get the defects removed. It helped me a great deal uh, on step six is to recognize that every single defect I have uh, is a defect of an asset. I also have the asset in there. Uh, and what I have to do is to find the asset, for instance, i tend to be uh, I tend to be a doubter. You tell me something and says who I want to doubt it and debate it and argue it uh, so so what 's the character asset? Well, the character asset is questioning with an open mind. doubting is just saying i don 't uh, convince me you know you've got to come in in you can't convince me if I've already made up my mind the way it is. Uh, but if I, if I just look and say, I'm willing, and then humble myself in step seven, humble myself to actually admit and to ask, to, to ask the God of my understanding uh, to remove my defect, and then, most of all, then be patient. You know, which is not, Again, all of these are things that I have to cultivate because they don't come... Well, maybe they are innate, but somewhere along the way, I lost them, especially in practicing my addictions. I became impatient, intolerant, angry, self-pitying, remorseful, guilt-ridden, and all of those other things, and I, and I don't want to be that way today. Um, I, I heard that, in uh, that doubt and arguing and sort of thing, I heard recently also that choosing doubt as an approach to life is like choosing immobility as a manner of transportation. Think about that. It's about the same. If I'm going to doubt everything, I get nowhere. I just argue. I just, well maybe, maybe not. If I look at my experience and see what works and what doesn't work, these steps, if I apply them and actually work them, transformed my life. They have transformed my life. Do I still have my defects? You bet. And talk to my wife down there in the second row. <laughs> she, can, <laughs> she can assess them a hell a lot better than I can. But they're still there. But I work on them. I can now say I'm sorry and actually mean them. And most of all, I can try to make the living amends to the people I hurt a lot in my life. So thank you very much for letting me share. Yeah.
0: Let's one more time thank all of our speakers, please, for sharing their experience. Strength, and okay. Thank you very much. Okay, um, we have some wonderful questions, and I think that the way that we'll do this, um, two of the questions are, are for particular people, but three of them are really good questions. And I think that since we have time, yes, we do. Um, let's see, we have yeah, we have a half an hour. I think that we could hear. Since there are only three general questions, we'll have a chance to hear from each of you, Okay, So um, why don't we just do the specific ones first, and then we'll do the more general, I think. Uh, Jeannie, the first question, I'll give it to you in writing, too. It says, can you please repeat the four descriptions of the character defects from column four of step four? This person got selfish. I think she wants resentful, selfish, dishonest Yeah. Yes. Yes, please.
2: Um, Sure. So um, selfish is what did I want, or or what, excuse me, selfish is what did I want to hold on to? What did I not want to give either of myself or possessions? And self-seeking is what was I trying to get from you? Something that you have, you know, either a possession or a quality or, you know, so going after something that somebody else has. Um, and then dishonest is, it seems pretty straightforward. Where was I dishonest? Not telling the truth either um, by omission or an outright lie or more subtle lie. And then fearful, like where was where was I afraid? Um, and that's self-descriptive. So I hope that helps. And if that doesn't make sense, uh, come and see me after the, the meeting.
0: Thank you, Jeannie, very much. Um, the other specific question is for Maury, and that is, Maury, you, you started to mention something. Are you are you in OA How OA ninety or what defines your abstinence?
3: Thanks again, Maury, Impulsive Eater. Peter. Uh, no, I am not in OA How or OA ninety. Um, I uh, I heard a speaker. Uh, define abstinence in a very novel way a couple of years ago matter of fact it was a region one convention uh, and uh, she was the keynote speaker and she didn't give us anything about food uh, she kind of kept us in suspense and the last day she said my abstinence is I don't start over I abstain from negativity uh, I abstain from perfectionism and I abstain from ever living, leaving away that's a pretty good definition of abstinence, by the way. You know, I don't start over. I just look at a mistake. And I do make mistakes in my food. I just, I did that. I talk with someone. See, I never did that before. Now, if my food is a little uh, fuzzy, and it gets fuzzy for now and then, I, uh, I'm not perfect. Uh, but I will talk about it. And, and sometimes write about it. Uh, and I'll talk to my sponsors about it. Before, I thought I had to be the perfect sponsor who doesn't have any problems and tell them what their mistakes. But now, if I'm, if I'm having any struggle with food, I do it. Uh, my basic food absence, though, is is not uh, OA Howe or OA 90. Uh, I did OA Howe, and I'm a perfectionist. <laughs> that was many years ago when I did that. And... I, got, I was doing it perfectly, but it was all about the food. I wasn't growing spiritually. And they reached a point about six months into that, after doing the perfect weight and measured food plan, that that rebel in me came. Okay, and I said, F it, and was out of there. Uh, and I lost my abstinence at that time too. Of course, what abstinence I did have, which was a hell of a lot of a diet mentality. Uh, so I, I tend to have a very liberal approach to abstinence. Just if uh, I eat three meals a day, uh, and and nothing in between, uh, and I abstain from the foods that are what I call my my red light foods, and I know what those are today, uh, basically sugar, uh, but also. Uh, uh, I have to limit anything that has uh, uh, white flour and sugar and butter in it in combination. <laughs> is especially lethal. And I also have to watch uh, uh, on when, uh, when I start moving beyond uh, proper portions. Uh, so uh, my absence is three meals a day, nothing in between, and continued, continued desperation and, and willingness to look and be honest. Thanks. And I'll talk with you more about it if you have any questions afterwards.
0: Thank you. And now we have some wonderful questions that um, for all of our speakers. I think the first one is, very, is general to all four of the steps that we're talking about. Actually, they said more than that. Um, we're, we're specific in this room to four through seven, but this question goes further. What brought up the most fear for you in your steps four through nine? and how did you deal with the, with the fear? And then any or all of you that um, are inspired to speak on a question, please feel free to step up. So what, what brought up the most fear for you in steps four through nine, and how did you deal with your fear?
3: I'll start off since I just spoke again. Maureen, uh, I think that probably the thing that was most fearful for me was uh, uh, looking at sexual issues, sexuality, Uh, it was was terrifying to me I grew up uh, uh, in a church where uh, kind of uh, like sex is bad Uh, or at least that's what I got out of it Uh, and uh, my particular sexuality was really bad I thought and I had to go to SLAA for a couple years to get a little bit of sanity on that I still won't claim sanity in that area Uh, but one thing that the program allows us is we get to tell God, ourselves, and one other human being the exact nature of my So when it comes to stuff that I'm really fearful about, I get very selective on who I start to share it with. I have a sponsor and sponsees that I trust implicitly. They can keep a confidence. They're not going to blab it. And they've also been where I've been. And I know that because I know them well. Uh, And... uh, uh, and that helps That helps relieve the fear to know that I can say it to at least one other human being uh, who will accept me. Thank you. Thank
0: you. Would
1: either of you like to speak on this question? Um, why don't you say your name, please? Okay, I'm Andrea, compulsive overeater. You know, I can't pick a specific one. Every, every single one of them was frightening to me. That's why I love the ABCs and the big book. We used to read it all the time. A, that I am a compulsive overeater, cannot manage my own life. B, that no human power is going to relieve this compulsion. And C, that God could and would if he were thought. So each one came and, you know, I had to do four. I couldn't write. I couldn't even read my writing. So there was tremendous fear. And then nine, I used to say, each one had it. I'd say five was probably the least because if I because I had already done so many 10 steps on the phone and talked to so many people and dug about, they really saw my personality when I had to admit things that I had never admitted to anybody. And nine, I used to think, oh, I'll never be able to do nine. And in my family, we're all buried in the same cemetery up at Coma. I used to say, I'm just waiting and I'm going to tell them then. But the truth <laughs> of the matter is, you know, I, I could drag this out forever. Anyway, the truth of the matter is, uh, like the amend to my mother I was afraid of it but the right time came after that prayer and digging and and then living there like Maury said living the um, the daily amend you know how am I treating her today that really helped me so it was like each one you did one and then if you looked at the next one you were real fearful and um, but it was like they were they were you know I was doing 10 all the time but they came in a session and it's it's I don't know, you just keep going because you don't want to go back to the food, so you keep going. Thank you.
0: Would you like to speak on this? Yeah,
2: I I will very quickly.
1: Um, Jenny again,
2: compulsive overeater. Hi,
0: Jenny.
2: Hi, Hi, everybody. Um, I would say that I have had a lot of fear around the fourth step, and as I said, I just completed my most recent fourth step about a, a year ago, and leading up to that, I had years and years where I would write a little bit and then I would let it go. I write a little bit and let it go. And I think, again, it, w- it was that fear of somehow that I wasn't doing it right, that mm-hmm. there was like some one right way to do it. And I know I emphasized that I was doing the big book way and I found it really effective. But I think that you know my sponsor finally told me, you know the right way to do it is to just do it. You just got to do it, you just got to finish it, and you just got to move on. You already know it's not the only one you're ever going to do, so get on with it. So you know, action helps, even when I'm afraid.
0: Thank you. This next question is a wonderful balance to fear of those steps because it asks. What were some of the miracles of your steps four through nine process? What were some of the miracles? Would you like to start, Jeannie? You...
2: Yeah, I, I can. Um, Jenny again. Um, what were some of the miracles? Um, I think, and I shared this in, in my share that I, I just did, I think you know again, seeing the layers over time and realizing that um you know i I can just continue to be more honest, to grow, and to you know get relief from not only the food but some of my defects of character. so I think the miracles are freedom, freedom in my life, freedom from fear, uh, you know, an incident at a time, certainly not, you know, that I'm not afraid ever, because that's one of the big ones that I deal with, but that I have these tools to work with, and that I I can get relief from any number of things outside of the food, through the steps.
3: Morning again, uh, for the microphone. yeah, I think one of the biggest miracles actually concerns the food, and it's taken a long, long time. But by and large, those foods that don't work for me do not call to me today. Every once in a while, the food comes up that has my name on it, and oh my, wouldn't it be wonderful if? No, it wouldn't be wonderful if I had that experience years ago when it took me back into uh, into hopeless, incomprehensible demoralization. Uh, but by and large. I have a freedom around food today. When I'm through with my meal, I'm through with my meal. Even if sometimes I still feel a little hungry, that's all right. It'll go away. That's another miracle to know that it'll go away. I thought hunger was something you had to feed and would never go away. It would only get worse. It doesn't get worse. It goes away if you don't feed it. Uh, And the miracle of being uh, a lot more comfortable in my own skin. God. what what a miracle Uh, a miracle to have a sense of a higher power in my life I've often said uh, that uh, for me uh, God was a four letter word (laughs) and and I needed to make God into a three letter word uh, that have a higher power that loves me absolutely even when I don't do well even when I'm much less than perfect which I often am uh, but I do have that today. Sometimes I have to look at it. What Andrea said in the ABCs, God could and would if he were sought. doesn't say found. The more I go along, the less I know about God, but the more I rely and trust. Thank you.
1: I I really can't. I was thinking of like uh, I'll talk about my mom because that was one of my hardest relationships. I mean, oh, and you know what else? No, I'm going to talk about something else. Well, anyway, I don't know. Anyway, there were a lot, there's been a lot of miracles, but one of them was I went to a meeting once and I hadn't seen somebody for quite a while. And, you know, when you're in these steps and you're day by day going to these meetings and you you don't think there's any change, this woman came up to me and she goes, Oh, God, you look so good, she said. And and I said, Oh, thank you. She goes, And you've changed so much. And I said, Oh, yeah, I've been really. She goes, Yes. She goes, You never mentioned your mother-in-law once. (laughs) You know, and my mother-in-law is still alive. So, you know, uh, it was just those are the kind of things that people say to you. And then when I uh, was taking care of my mom and she was dying, you know, I told you I was raised in a religion where they have saints and I wanted to be one of nun, and all this stuff. And I fell so short. When I was taking care of my mom, it was due. I had been in the program and really working the program for like 23, 24 years. And uh, my mom was terminally ill. And I was taking care of her. And one day she turned to me and she said something like, and this is such a compliment to the program. I guess she saw me grow up. And she said, she goes, Oh that, that really that you really paid off. She goes, you she goes, that that OA really helped you, didn't it? And I just thought, it's not me, it's this program and all these people. I was so grateful. And uh, whenever I have get in an argument with my people that are in my life now and I'm able to just shut up and back down and start praying and then I make that amend I don't want to make and I look at my husband and I go I'm in a way 312 not him make the amend it doesn't care what he says to me you were wrong and that's it just make an amend for your actions and um, but then some, for sometimes I have to make a couple of phone calls first before I get to that willingness. <laughs>
0: The last questions are more specific, so maybe we'll just have one person each address take a question, unless two people are really moved to want to answer on it. The next one, um, these last four questions are all pretty much about step seven. The first one is, can you speak to your expansive, your expanse, it says? Experience. Thank you. Experience of humility as it relates to your recovery. If there's someone who'd like to step up to that question.
3: Again, that may not be humility. Um, (coughs) (laughs) uh, Humility is recognizing I am not God. Uh, I am not the master of the world. In my own universe, yes, it's true in one sense... I'm all there is. If, if, uh, if there's no Maury here, then Maury doesn't have anything to deal with. But in a sense, I'm also just a very tiny part of a big hole. I noticed that this morning when I walked out. It was early in the morning. I was going my way to another 12-step meeting. The air was clean. It was cool. The sun was beginning to shine. I am so grateful to be alive. So grateful to be alive. Uh, that's humility. I don't have to run the show today. I can just be grateful to be alive. Thank you.
0: Absolutely.
1: Please do. Um, I was thinking, um, what happens is when I get reach for that phone, or I look somebody in the eye, and I said, I need to talk about something that's when I know that um, I'm so grateful that I'm able to do that, that God gives me the willingness to do it. Like I said, sometimes it's not right away, but still that when I reach for that phone and going to discuss something honestly with somebody, it just, it, to me, that's, that for me, that's, I, have, I've, I've, I feel humility when I do that. Yeah,
0: Thank you, Andrea and Maury. The next question how do you let go of procrastination? <laughs> How do you let go of procrastination? Well, I think
2: it's funny I'm going to answer this one because um, I'm the queen of procrastination. I'm still Virginia and Jenny, a compulsive overeater. Um, well, as I, I talked about it in my uh, talk a few minutes ago i try and think about you know the procrastination is a form of perfectionism for me and i try and think about what's realistic and what's possible versus you know whatever's in front of me that just seems like it's too big to do and then i try and bring my higher power into it um and there's a a phrase that a lot of people use it's called doing the next little right thing and I think that's my my higher power's way of reminding me that it's only one little piece, one little step, and that's how you build, you know, a program and a life. It doesn't happen all at once, but you you gotta take that that first step in the in the in the right direction. So, and I practice, I try and practice that every day.
3: Yeah, for me, uh, it's 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 action. And I think you kind of alluded to it in the uh, chapter in the big book on acceptance or Dr. Addict, alcoholic in the third edition, where he said, I, uh, I do what's in front of me to do. And however, it turns out that God's will for me. I'm a thinker. I love to sit and think and ponder. Of course, it never gets me in any place except usually confused and nothing gets done. Uh, and there's a very it's valuable to think. There's no question about it. But when I'm thinking about something I don't want to do, or thinking that I should do but I'm not willing to do it, I get nowhere. When I get the slightest, I'm real good once I get started on something to go ahead and do it. And so it's just taking some action. Just the first step, as you said. Yeah. Thank you.
0: These are great questions. The next one is, ah, what does it look like when God removes defects of character? What does it look like when God removes defects of character?
1: Um, All I could think about is I feel better. I mean, it's just, like I said about these girls in cards, there's this one girl... And uh, when I left Thursday, I thought, and then I was doing the work on these steps, and it was a God-given gift that I started thinking about it, and I thought, I've got to, I just have to ask God to take this envy and this my in, my intolerance and my impatience with her, and je- just jealousy, because I don't, it make, doesn't make me feel good. And the bottom line is, if I don't, you know, let's face it, I don't want to eat over it. And I, years ago, when I first saw these character defects, I had a lot of trouble not hating myself and being depressed seeing them, big time. But if that's like guilt, it's like a waste of energy. So um, that's the big thing is I don't want to... Um, like sometimes when I owe an amend, it'll be two days later and I'll be looking at my husband and I'll remember what I had said and that, you know, I can bury it for a little bit. But if I do a good morning inventory on the day before... It usually, then it doesn't, it comes up sooner, but I just don't want to feel that way and carry that stuff around. It just makes life very unhappy. Thank you.
0: Okay. And our last question is a good one also. Um, I will tell you, it's, it's a request for our speakers. It says, can you talk about your specific defects and ways that you tackled them And I'm not sure we're going to have time for all of them to share. So if this is your question or you're interested in it, I think that after our session today, in a few minutes, if you wanted to come and find one of our speakers and ask something specific, you can do that. So that's our last question for today. And we have, um, oh, (laughs) we have one minute. Um, So would would any of you have a burning desire to talk about a specific defect and the way you tackled it?
2: Um, Hi, still Jenny, compulsive overeater. Um, I, well, right now, what I'm doing because I, I'm actively working Step Six and Seven is in the morning when I'm doing my, my morning readings, um, etc. I open up the big book to where you know where um, Step Six and Seven is, and on the opposite side of the page, I have my character defects, and I say the Seven Step Prayer. And I just get present with what those defects are, and I know that I'm not gonna, you know, have have the experience of having them all lifted in that day. But I just I just shed some light, you know, I just shed some awareness on what is it that I'm I'm looking to get free of, and um, and then um, little by little I start noticing some shifts, and usually it's one thing at a time. Um, But I, you know, I purposely look at step six, my defects of character on the list, and then do the 7 step prayer.
3: Just a quick word. I think that uh, uh, assets uh, and defects, as I say, are very closely tied together. Uh, And if I can just uh, acknowledge uh, that defects. And assets are all tied together. And depending on the particular circumstances that come out, it may come up as a defect, which needs to be worked on. It's removed. It's not taken away, gone forever, never to appear again. At least that's not been my experience. Defects come up over and over. They don't have the impact. I get through them quicker. Yeah.
0: Okay. And that's perfect timing for today. It's now time to close this session um, let's have a hand for all of our speakers first. Place. Thank you very, very much. Okay. Um, you know what? Let's. This is steps four through seven, so I think we'll use the seven-step prayer um, today for our closing. If you're in the back and would so choose, why doesn't everyone come forward, we'll make a circle, and we'll say it together. Be careful walking down those stairs. Oh, you're not kidding. Yeah. <laughs> If it's not familiar to you, don't be shy about bringing your program up with you. This is a great opportunity to learn some of the parts that might be less familiar. And I'll try to say it really loudly and slowly so that you